Landscape company owners and business people all over the country are talking about culture, how to create a culture. And in today's interview with Jim Martin, we share how he's grown beyond just success into significance through creating scholarships for the employees of his company. So check out today's interview to learn more about how he did that and the one thing Jim always carries with him when he goes whitewater rafting all over the world. We weren't getting the leads that I knew we could. We weren't getting the right leads. What started happening is that our, our leads are more qualified. Our sales have probably gone up by about 10 to 15% a year. We're going to increase our sales volume by a million dollars in a year. Hey everyone, welcome to The Landscaper's Guide. I'm Jack Jostis, and in this show, we share inspiring stories of successful landscape professionals and sales and marketing ideas with you to help you grow your business. And today, I'm excited to interview Jim Martin, who I met through ILCA, the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association. Right now, I'm in Illinois, in Jim's basement in Elmhurst. It's a beautiful home, and I can't wait to share this story with you. Now, if you're new here and you haven't already, make sure you subscribe at landscapersguide.com slash podcast, and we will send you our top three podcast interviews right away. And with that, let's get into the conversation with Jim. Welcome to the Landscapers Guide. Today, I'm here with Jim Martin, the founder and president of James Martin Associates. We're in his home right now. We're in his basement in the bar, which is just this cool space for those of you listening it is spectacular. It's like a wine cellar with uh, a really neat wood ceiling. I love that's my favorite feature of this bar. Old barn siding and old barn barn beams. You can see it was all uh, mortised in and uh, reconstructed here. Well, Jim, thanks so much for coming on the show. We played top golf last night. How was that? <laughs> it was it was my first time <laughs> playing top golf, and uh, my first time of having a golf club in my hand about. I think Tom Bolas and I decided it was probably eight or ten years. Oh wow! Well, that was fun. Tom won. Yeah. Tom had the best scores. Yeah, he he plays quite a bit. He does. And one of the things I learned last night at Top Golf is that you have a scholarship program for your employees. So I wanted to learn more about that and inspire our audience to consider doing something with their own team. So tell us a little bit first. Um, what is James Martin and Associates? So we are a. Uh, I used to say we were a landscape uh, design-build company, but I almost now say we are a snow management company that does landscape management and design-build. Not quite real, correct, but um, uh, those are the three main services mm -hmm. that we do. But I'm a landscape architect by training, um, graduate from the University of Illinois, and uh, started off as a landscape architect, um, and then realized probably 10 years into running the business that Recurring revenue is better for our business than just design build project after project. So uh, today the business is probably 75% recurring revenue and maybe 25% uh, design build. And you have James Martin Associates in Mundelein, Illinois, and that's around that two thirds of the business. Correct. And then the other yeah. third is LID out in Longmont, Colorado. Correct. Yeah, and we have probably 100 employees or so in the Mundelein location and plus or minus 50, 55 mm -hmm. in the, uh, the Longmont Boulder, kind of Boulder Valley market. And you've been in business for over 40 years. When did you actually start the firm? 
we will beginning we will be beginning our 46th year in March um, so 1977 that's spectacular and right now in your bar there is a bottle of champagne <laughs> from the Russo family celebrating 40 years that's that's spectacular so what you while we were getting lunch you said there are four stages of business the first one survival what are what are the other three so I describe survival survival with meaning which I kind of describe as, well, you're not too worried about making this pay period, but you might not know where next pay period is mm-hmm. coming from. So that's survival with meaning. And then success is when you really don't have to worry too much about making payroll. And so I think that's the third stage. And significance, I think, is the fourth stage. Um, and that's when a business, you know, when you look around and you look and you see that you have 150 families mm-hmm. that are dependent upon you and um, mortgages and kids going off to school and 401k funds and you know things like that that make all of a sudden it's not just success that you're dealing with it has some significance in the lives Mm -hmm. of a lot of people and and one of the ways that you're building significance is by funding scholarships for the children of your employees that's one of the types of scholarships, and, and that's kind of what you and I talked about last mm-hmm. night at Top Golf as a starting point. And I said, you know, after after doing about twenty years of other scholarships, mm-hmm. when we we're getting ready to to celebrate this uh, this fortieth anniversary five six years ago now, I had the idea that well, let's give a scholarship to some of the kids of our employees, and that has led over the last five years or six years to I think we've we've given out about. 24, 25 during that period of time. And um, those are probably the most meaningful and significant in that, you know, these are the folks that we go to battle with all the time. And these are the kids of those folks. And now, mm-hmm. we're, now we're connecting with the kids and we're hearing their life story. And uh, the process that we go through is very similar to what uh, the ILCA, the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association, does. And so the, the students of our of our employees have to fill out essays. They have to get uh, a teacher to write an endorsement letter. Um, they have to, if they can get a uh, uh, a referral letter from somebody that they've worked with. So those are the kinds of steps that we have in the process. And then to have them come in with the parents for our little photo uh, episode. Um, so we award them a oversized check and. Uh, and then we do press releases around it. And it, it's just a, you know, on a lot of levels, just one of those great evolutions to our, to our scholarship program that, uh, that started probably 20 or 25 years ago. And over the years, we've given almost 100 scholarships, uh, <clears throat> which, is, which is a fun, very, uh, very productive and kind of, uh, it's, it's allowed us to connect with the schools that some of our employees have gone, gone to and... Uh, mm-hmm. It's allowed us to get connected with the National Association and the uh, local state association. And then some of the schools that we, we have, we give high school uh, scholarships to high school students from some of the schools that uh, are in the communities that we've, we've worked in. So this is very generous that, that you're giving back to these people and to these communities. And I love how you're doing it through your, in, in many cases, through your employees. I'm curious how how has this come back to you in any way? Have you heard have have clients ever said, "Hey, we noticed that you 
you did this or I, I can't imagine that's why you're doing it but has has that happened no I would say we, we've been we've been active in um, support of community organizations and charitable organizations mm -hmm. um, so occasionally we've had folks that you know have seen an announcement um, especially if they might have aligned with you know maybe Baltimore's daughter um, and Baltimore was one of the supervisors that they know and that mm -hmm. has been visiting their site and so there's been maybe a few of those connecting the dots of somebody that read our our periodic newsletter out to our customers and if he and his daughter were featured you know we've had a few people make those kind of connections but I would say the scholarship um, is um, it, it's definitely a piece of our recruiting so when we talk to new candidates mm -hmm. and we say you know five years from now if you're a uh, if you're here and you've contributed and done a great job um, maybe you'll be one of those additional folks that we we send a scholarship back to the school that you came from um, so it's it's definitely a piece of the recruiting but I would say I don't think it's had a major impact on our customer base mm -hmm. we do other things in the community that I think we get much more of that kind of um, uh, feedback on for some of the charitable things that we do there yeah well that's that's a, it is an amazing recruiting piece for for people and knowing maybe potentially direct employees and then the kids of those employees yep. that that's possible so how do you decide i mean if you have 100 150 employees with varying levels of families and ages and things um like how many people apply for it in a given year so i would say this past year we probably had maybe eight or nine applicants uh -huh. and, and we awarded five so there was a bit of kind of a screening process and right. you know, a couple of them just, you know, really didn't do the whole, didn't do what we, what we require. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, mm -hmm. we, we coached them afterwards and it was kind of a learning lesson for us in that anybody that expresses an interest in the future, we're going to have kind of a little training session for the employee, the parent. Uh -huh. So that they sort of know what the process is and that, you know, it, it can be a, a team, a kind of a teamwork between parent and the student that would be uh, potentially being awarded the scholarship. Um, and we hadn't done that before. You know, again, you, as you do these things, the light bulb comes on and you kind of right. say, well, that's the next, that's the next level of improving this mm -hmm. and embedding it in and make, you know, making sure that you don't have any hard feelings along the way. Because um, I guarantee you, the three that didn't get some, get it, and the we had one family where two children applied, and one got it, one didn't. Oh, so you know those it, that can, yeah. Uh, but it, it it's the real world, and um, mm -hmm. at any rate, so but five five students um, got it, and uh, one of them is going to the University of Chicago for a, she's studying neuroscience and wants to be a a, a neurophysician. Wow. I mean, it's a, it, you know, so those are the <laughs> incredible kinds of stories that, you know, that we get. I would have never known that. I would have never known that about Baltimore's daughter if that wasn't, you know, if that wasn't a piece of it. Right. Um, so, and Baltimore's a stockholder. He's been with us probably 15, 18 years. Um, but, I, but without the scholarship program, I would not have, you know, it, it deepens the relationship that we have with, with these uh, committed employees. Um, I love it. So. And one of the other things I learned while we were playing golf, I think you said that you, at one point, you worked 44s. Is that right? <laughs> so you worked 40 weeks with four-day work weeks. And then tell us, tell me more. Yeah, so I, I used to be in a Vistage group. I was in a Vistage group for 20 mm -hmm. years. And 
probably about 15 years ago, I started doing what I described in my Vistage group as my goal for the year is four by 40. And they said, what's four by 40? And I said, well, I'm gonna try and work four days a week. And I'm gonna try and work 40 weeks a year. Um, and so after, you know, and, and in Vistage, you would do an annual review. And mm -hmm. so, you know, these guys are all kind of busting on me and say, hey, Martin, how that, uh, how that four, four by 40 plan from last year work out? Because you have to kind of, uh, in Vistage, there's an accountability factor of how you, you deal with the, uh, mm -hmm. the other Vistage members. So when it's your turn to present, you talk about what last year's plan was, this year's plan, how you did against it. And um, so, you know, I got a lot of comments about that from my, from my pals in the Vistage group. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, it worked out really well. And this year, yeah, mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to do a, a three by 30. And, uh, you know, it kind of evolves. And I would say if you talk to most of my staff, they'd probably say, yeah, most of the time, Jim, for the last 10 years or so, has probably been more on that three by 30. And so last night I said, and you know, my goal today is to do a two by 20. Um, so wow. two days a week, uh, <laughs> 20 weeks a year. Now I'm probably not there yet, but, mm -hmm. um, I'm close. That's spectacular. So how do you, how, what are, what would you say are some of the most important systems that you've implemented in your companies that allowed you to get there? And also how did you, how did you build your people up to support the company while you were, you were, you know, gone or working in this more limited fashion? Uh, organization and process improvement and, um, you know, repeating the same, you know, learn, repeat, learn, repeat, learn, repeat, um, and better improve it. Um, mm -hmm. I would say, um, we, years ago, 2004, we had a pretty deep dive into what I'd call lean management. And, um, you know, that allowed us to improve a lot of things, standardize a lot of things. And with the standardization, at that point, we were still with Slice, which was an old uh, enterprise software system that lots of folks in the industry had. And I would compare it to today's version of Aspire. Now, Aspire is way more powerful and way more effective. But five years, six years, seven, eight years ago, we were going off of Slice. That's when we tried to, that's when we went to Aspire. Um, but having systems, process, depending upon technology, um, you know, those, I would say those are some of the key features. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we have a lot of what I'll call performance management in place mm -hmm. that allows us to reach agreements and set standards and set, set expectations. Um, and, you know, we, we create a, a, a performance plan for each, each of our, of our salaried employees. I wouldn't say that about every, uh, uh hourly employee, but mm -hmm. each salaried employee has a performance plan and it's tied to a bonus plan and our bonus plan is tied to our profitability and we, we share that openly um, once a month throughout the business. Um, so, you know, the performance of an individual when it's tied to the performance of the company, you get alignment and then if you have, we've got the structure of kind of a one-to-one -one meeting process with managers and teammates uh, and with those <clears throat> those tools in place, it allows me to um, work within those tools with the team that I'm working with um, and allows the team to work with their team. So I tend to spend most of my time and effort with um, the strategy and the monthly financials and the, 
in our in our monthly uh, reviews with both locations, um, and then a fair amount with the recruiting. Uh, we bring uh, more seasoned people, and I'm I'm fairly involved with most of those hires. What are some of the things that are in the agenda of the weekly meetings? Because you said that you 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 have these weekly meetings. They're structured. They're meaningful. They're helpful. What are some of the most important things that you'd have in a weekly meeting with a salaried employee? So um, if it was me meeting with Tom Bolas or Scott, um, we have the major focuses of the business. Um, mm -hmm. So it could be a facility issue, it could be a marketing issue, it could be an HR issue, it could be a design build team issue, commercial maintenance issue, snow. So we have a skeleton that's built out that mm -hmm. has most of the, uh, the expectations around each of those areas. And so that's, that's kind of like uh, almost a, a, a checklist. Mm -hmm. And so the, uh, as Tom is getting ready for that meeting, he will, he'll layer in any issues within each of those areas. Mm -hmm. And it winds up being a trigger for me when, I, when we're scrolling down, he will, when we're doing a Zoom meeting or a, a Teams meeting, um, he'll have his agenda up on the screen and we'll be going from the top of the agenda to the bottom of the agenda. He's, mm -hmm. he's filled it in. I have a, a, a hanging file that I put anything that I want to be dealing with, open issues, any of the open issues, and they'll fit into that structure. Um, mm -hmm. So, and then if we've talked about something this week, to follow up, we have an action plan that he has to, any time we agree to do something, it, mm -hmm. it lands in the action plan. And we always start the next meeting with review of the action plan. Um, so those disciplines allow us to stay, you know, very focused and um, uh, you know make sure that we're accomplishing what we ought to be. Um, so those are some of the tools. And where where are some of the coolest places that you've gone whitewater rafting? <laughs> and tell us about your mug. Uh, Oars is a uh, whitewater rafting company that has. That has taken the group that we uh, that we've traveled with for 25 years mm -hmm. down the Colorado. If you haven't done the Colorado, you've got to do the Grand Canyon. It's an awesome trip. We did 14 days. Wait until mid-September when they shut down all the power boats, the power rafts, and that's quiet down there. It's unbelievably. Mm. Um, we spent 14 days doing that. Um, one of the most interesting trips was <clears throat> about three years ago. We went to uh, Siberia. Um, you know, before all the Ukraine stuff happened, and it was interesting to see uh, the Siberian Russians absolutely hate Putin. You know, so it was interesting. And they were civilians, and we were civilians, and we were kind of going on this whitewater river trip, and uh, we met a lot of them. And, you know, just across the board, we were the first whitewater river trip to go back to Russia from the West, from a Western country. Mm -hmm since they invaded Crimea um, and took over Crimea. So, um, so Russia was our, our most recent international trip. Uh, since then, when COVID hit, we did the Rogue River in Oregon, which is a beautiful river. Some, some of the films, some of the movie river films have been uh, uh, shot there. Um, we did the Magpie up in Canada. We did the uh, Food of the Flu in Chile. Uh, the Yangtze, the upper Yangtze in China, and then on the other side of the Tibetan Plateau, coming down in the upper uh, territories. They don't call them states in India, but the, everything that borders like China and mm -hmm. the Himalayas. Uh, 
we we did a big river that is like uh, the Mississippi in the United States, the Brahmaputra, uh, and uh, that was a huge river. What's one thing that you always carry with you on these trips? <laughs> uh, uh, duct tape. Duct tape for sure. <laughs> I always bring duct tape a, a on roll, all my uh, a roll of duct tape. Yeah, is, uh, yeah, <laughs> indispensable. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I actually learned about that at a boater safety class when I was eight. Really? Yeah. The instructor was like, the one thing you always want to carry, and I do, Just I wrap tape. mine around a lighter. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the ways I carry a small quantity of it in my oh. pack. And um, you can use it for a bandage. Absolutely. You can patch things. No, you, yeah. yeah. Duct tape is amazing. For yep. sure. Lots of uses. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's interview, and if you did, make sure that you subscribe, like this video where you are, give us some ratings, and sign up at landscapersguide.com slash podcast to get on our email list so you never miss an episode. And when you sign up, we're gonna send you our top three podcasts and some more. So I'm Jack Jostis, thanks so much for tuning in today. I look forward to talking to you next week on The Landscaper's Guide. This podcast shares inspiring stories to help you grow your landscape company. Company. <laughs> this is why we have bloopers. Okay. <laughs>